Well, good morning. Good morning to the friends and family of Crossroads Church here in Napoleon. Those of you who are tuning in from the old Walmart parking lot, good morning to the rest of you listening on WNDH from Henry County and across Northwest Ohio. He's risen. Honk if you believe that this morning. I didn't know if you knew this or not, but in the year of Corona, if you want to say amen, just give a honk, all right? That's the, that's the new thing kids are doing these days. Honk if you want to say amen. Strange days we're living in, right? It is a strange day, but it's also a great day. Today, we celebrate an event, a fact, that has literally reoriented our calendars and the entire history of mankind. Today, we celebrate the truth that Jesus Christ, the Creator God, became a human being, lived a perfect, sinless life, and died in our place only to raise to new life three days later. He did so for the salvation of any and everyone who would believe and trust in Him as their Lord and Savior. Today, we celebrate and remember what was recorded for us in the Gospel of Luke. I'm going to read it for you this morning. The Gospel of Luke, chapter 24, verses 1 through 12. And if you want to follow along with us, I'll be reading out of the NLT translation. It says this, Very early on Sunday morning, the women went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. They found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. So they went in, but they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. As they stood there puzzled, two men suddenly appeared to them, clothed in dazzling robes. The women were terrified and bowed down their faces to the ground. Then the men asked, Why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? He isn't here. He's risen from the dead. Remember what he told you back in Galilee? That the Son of Man must be betrayed into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and that he would rise again on the third day. Then they remembered that he had said this. So they rushed back from the tomb to tell his eleven disciples and everyone else what had happened. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and several other women who told the apostles what happened. But the story sounded like nonsense to the men, so they didn't believe it. However, Peter jumped up and ran to the tomb to look. Stooping, he peered in and saw the empty linen wrappings. Then he went home again, wondering what had happened. Now, if you're tuning in this morning, I'm guessing you're in one of two camps. I'm guessing you either believe the truth of the resurrection and you are eager to celebrate it with us together, or you are guilt-tripped into listening by maybe your mom or dad or, or a spouse, and it was just easier to go along with things rather than make a fuss about it. If you're in this latter group, you may doubt the resurrection. At best, you may doubt the resurrection. At worst, you might dismiss it as unscientific and uneducated nonsense. Now, regardless of why you're tuning in, I'm glad you're listening. For those of you who doubt, let me encourage you. You're in good company. Evidently, even the original disciples apparently had some of their own skepticism going on. The text I just read said that when the women came back and reported that they had seen angels who told them Jesus was alive, the disciples' response was in verse 11, that's nonsense, right? They didn't believe it. They doubted. This can't be true. Dead people stay dead. It actually gets crazier than this. We're told after Jesus raised, 
that he actually spent 40 days with many of his disciples and his followers. He talked with them. He ate with them. He showed them his nail-scarred hands. And then in Matthew 28, we're told that Jesus brings all of his followers out to the Mount of Olives, and he gives them this great commission. He tells them to carry the gospel, the good news, to the ends of the earth. And then he begins to ascend into heaven, like float up into the sky, right in front of them. And in verse 17 of the 28th chapter of Matthew, it says that when the disciples saw Jesus ascending into heaven, it says that some worshipped, but some doubted. They doubted. Jesus had been dead for three days, then he hung out with them for almost three months, and now he's floating in the air in front of them, and yet some still doubted. They're like, yeah, I saw this David Blaine magic special. I see, I know what's going on here, right? They doubted. My question for you this morning is this. Why did some of these folks, and even the disciples, doubt the resurrection of Jesus? Why did they doubt Jesus even as he was ascending into heaven right in front of their eyes? Well, I'm guessing it's the same reasons that we struggle with doubt sometimes. For one, The resurrection is an unexplainable miracle. Most times, dead people stay dead. Resurrection is not something that our science or even our quantum physics can explain. That's the science stuff, and there are probably some of you who have doubts rooted in that area. But I'm guessing most of those who are doubting this morning have doubts rooted more in experience, just like the disciples. When the disciples hear Jesus is alive, They don't believe, but instead they doubt because they haven't experienced the risen Lord yet for themselves. So they remain skeptical. Later, others doubt because although they have seen and experienced the risen Lord, Rome is still in charge. They see Jesus, but they don't experience the liberation and freedom that they had expected they would. See, Jesus is alive, but Rome's still ruling. Jesus is alive, but people are still getting sick. Jesus is alive, but I'm still struggling with sin. Jesus is alive, but my life is still a mess. I'm depressed. I'm addicted. I can't hold a job or I can't advance in my job. If Jesus is alive, why does this world still feel so broken? Why is this virus and other natural disasters still wrecking our world and our economy? What is going on? You say Jesus is alive, Levi, but I doubt it. Well, I hear you, and I get it. But I stand on the truth of God's word this morning. Jesus is alive. He has risen. And I want to expel some of your doubts here this morning. From my perspective, the resurrection is a historical fact. And I realize that last statement is going to be a tough pill to swallow for some of you. You might be thinking, resurrections don't happen. Come on, Levi. This is the age of science and reason. This is the 21st century. This is the age of technology. We got Zoom and Facebook and all those other gadgets, right? Lay off the fairy tales and hocus pocus. I hear you. Resurrections are unexplainable. Dead people almost always stay dead. But... Let me ask you this. What happens when the unexplainable meets the undeniable? What happens when the unexplainable meets the undeniable? I think faith happens. I think faith 
happens when the unexplainable meets the undeniable. Contrary to popular cultural opinion, we Christians don't have a blind faith. We have a faith that is rooted in historical evidence and fact. Our faith is not blind. We believe in the resurrection as unexplainable and mysterious of a miracle as it is. We believe in the resurrection because there are three undeniable historical facts that support such a belief. Let me give you what those three facts are. These three facts are attested to not just inside of the Bible, but also outside of it. Historians like Josephus and others have recorded and affirmed that there are three historical facts surrounding the death, life, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. The first fact is that Jesus' tomb was empty. The tomb where Jesus' body was buried was sealed shut by a giant stone and guarded. This was done because the chief priests were aware that Jesus had made a claim he was going to rise from the dead three days later. In fact, they said this whole situation is going to be worse if his disciples sneak in and try and steal his body and claim that he rose from the dead. This is, this is all going to get worse for us. So they sealed and guarded the tomb. However, three days later, even after all of their countermeasures, there was an empty tomb. This is a well-documented historical fact. Jesus was laid in the tomb, and three days later, the tomb was empty. That's a problem that needs an explanation. Where did Jesus' body go? Was it stolen? Or did he rise? Secondly, there are hundreds of eyewitness testimonies about the risen Jesus. 1 Corinthians 15 verses 4 through 8 records, Jesus was buried, and he was raised from the dead on the third day, just as the scriptures said. He was seen by Peter, and then by the twelve. After that, he was seen by more than 500 of his followers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have died. Then he was seen by James, and later by all the apostles. And last of all, as though I had been born among, I had been born at the wrong time, I also saw him. And that last person to have seen the risen Christ was Paul, the author of 1 Corinthians. So we've got an empty tomb, and along with an empty tomb, we've got over 500 people that claim to have seen the risen Jesus. 500. That is not a small number of people. Over 500 people claim to have seen a man who was dead and buried and just in case those in Corinth wanted to confirm Paul's statement, he says, many of those people are still alive. You can go talk to them if you don't believe me. Along with this, many historians outside of the Bible have also recorded something similar, affirming that a large group of people calling themselves Christians claim to have seen Jesus in risen form. Now, I've never taken a hallucinogen, but I'm guessing that if all 500 of these folks took some type of mushrooms and they all started tripping out, I'm guessing that not everybody is having the same vision of Jesus. There has to be a different explanation. There is a historical fact that over 500 people claimed to encounter Jesus after he died. That's undeniable. So what's the best explanation? We've got an empty tomb, 500 people that claim to have seen the risen Christ, Resurrection is starting to look 
more likely. Thirdly, the last historical fact we have to consider about Jesus' resurrection are the changed lives of those who claim to have encountered the risen Christ. The apostle Peter turns from a coward to a courageous preacher. Paul turns from a murderer, like a hardened murderer. The dude was stoning Christians to death because of Jesus. He turns from a murderer persecuting Christians to a missionary trying to convert as many people as he can to Christianity. Along with Peter and Paul, we've got John. John, along with his brother, was given the nickname the Sons of Thunder because he was arrogant, ambitious, and vengeful. John was changed by the resurrection of Jesus into a man who came to be known most for his beautiful and tender expressions of God's love. He inherited the nickname the Apostle of Love. The man who a year or so earlier was calling fire down from heaven on those who wouldn't believe in Jesus gladly submits to torture and exile so that others could come to know the love of God through Jesus as he has. Along with these men, several of the prominent women in the early church had very scandalous pasts. Some had been oppressed and abused. Some were prostitutes. Some were demon-possessed. But their encounters with Jesus made mighty women of courage, beauty, and strength. My point is this. The tomb was empty. People claimed to have met the risen Lord. And those same people were also markedly different after their claimed encounters with Jesus. The resurrection changed them to the point that they were willing to die to support the claims that Jesus was alive. Consider for a moment what Chuck Colson wrote. Chuck Colson was Nick, Nixon, President Nixon's special counsel on Watergate. He was one of Nixon's henchmen. He said, I know the resurrection is a fact, and Watergate proved it to me. How? Well, because 12 men testified that they had seen Jesus raised from the dead. And then they proclaimed that truth for 40 years, never once denying it. Everyone was beaten, tortured, stoned, and put in prison. They would not have endured that if it weren't true. Watergate embroiled 12 of the most powerful men in the world, and they couldn't keep their lie up for three weeks. You're telling me 12 apostles could keep a lie for 40 years? Absolutely impossible, unless it's the truth. Here's the truth, church. The resurrection is a historically documented truth that changed the lives of those who experienced it. The resurrection is the power of the gospel. The resurrection changes everything if you encounter it. If you encounter it, it will change your life. If there's no change, you haven't yet encountered the risen Lord and you need to be born again. It's like this. Many of you are parked in a parking lot here together this morning. Imagine you're in some little sissy minivan, kind of like mine, and it gets a dead battery. Now, Charlie Kruger over there or John Feindling are all into the souped-up off-road trucks, right? <laughs> they got their big off-road truck. You got a dead battery. They got a big old battery in their trucks. And you say to Charlie, you say, hey, I need a jump. But first, I want to see if that battery of yours is giving off power. So... You take the red and the black clips and 
fasten it right there on your tongue. And you're like, yep, it's giving off power. All of us here would say, nope. If you really did that, we would have seen some effect, right? You'd be walking like you rode your horse here from Nebraska. Your hair would be froed out like Doc from Back to the Future. You'd be drooling and slurring your words like you just left the dentist chair. This is what the resurrection of Jesus is like. If you encounter it, if you're born again, you'll be changed. That's the power of the gospel. You see, the good news of Jesus is not just another competing theory of religion. It's not just a new way to live or a new and improved set of morals. The gospel is actual, life-giving, heart-regenerating power. And the proof of that is in the way it changes lives. Paul says as much. If you were to go, Roman, go read Romans 6, I'm going to paraphrase, but essentially he says, first, the resurrection changed my mind about Jesus. Then, it changed me. You see, according to the Bible, the resurrection is not just a fact of history past. It is power to make new in the present. The resurrection doesn't mean that now you can pray a prayer and get some fire insurance against hell. The resurrection doesn't mean that you can sleep through a sermon one day out of seven and then live like the devil the other six. Going to church and getting involved doesn't make you a Christian, right? Going to church and getting involved doesn't make you a Christian any more than going to McDonald's makes you a double quarter pounder with extra cheese. The resurrection does not mean that you can now make a decision to get back in church when this whole social distancing thing lifts. No, the resurrection does not mean that you can decide to be more spiritual or that now you can decide to be a better person. No, the resurrection means that you can be born again. You can be recreated. The resurrection means that you can receive life, the life of Christ, and experience his power and his peace no matter what hellish circumstances you're facing down. Church, because he lives, you can live. Because he lives, you can have peace even in the uncertainties of life. Because he lives, you don't have to fear the future. Because he lives, you can live in, a prepar in preparation for a better home instead of worrying about how to store up junk for this life. Because Jesus lives, you can store up treasure in heaven where moth and rust can't destroy and thieves can't steal and the stock market fluctuations can't touch. Because Jesus lives, you don't have to live with shame or guilt. Because he's alive, injustice doesn't have the last word. Because he lives, addiction doesn't get to control you anymore. Because he lives, despair doesn't have the last words. Church, if you're not dead, God's not done with you yet. Because he lives, you don't have to fear death. Death has lost its sting. The best is yet to come. Billy Graham said this of death. He said, one day you will hear that Billy Graham is dead. Don't you believe it? I'll be more alive than ever, he said. I'll just have changed addresses. Loved ones, and you are loved. If the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus says anything, it tells us that, that we are loved. And along with that, it tells us that we are far more sinful and flawed in and of ourselves than we ever dared to believe. And yet, at the very same time, we are more loved and accepted in Jesus Christ than we ever dared 
to hope. Let the resurrection of Jesus change you this Easter. Because he lives, you and I can truly live also. I can think of no better way to close our time together than in singing a good old-fashioned Easter hymn. Normally, we have a full church band, but this week, some ladies from our church put together a little a cappella number for us to worship the risen Christ together through song. Feel free to sing along if you know it at home or in your car, or just listen and worship because he lives. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because I know he holds the future. And
Let me pray for you all. Father, we praise you this morning for your good news. We praise you for your power. We praise you for sending your only son to live the life we could never live and die the death we deserve. Thank you for raising him to new life and promising that for those who trust in Christ with repentance and faith, they too will receive the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead. Thank you for giving us the spirit that is the down payment of the eternal home that awaits us upon Christ's second coming. Help us persevere in this race until that time comes. These are trying times, Lord, but thank you for the hope of the resurrection. Because he lives, we need not fear. You love us more than we can ask or imagine. Thank you for displaying that love on the cross as Jesus was crucified. And thank you for displaying your power over death in the resurrection. Encourage us this morning, Lord, as we remember and celebrate the fact that you are alive and that one day you promise to come back again and set all that's wrong in this world right. To that end we pray, come Lord Jesus, come soon. Happy Easter, everyone. May the Lord bless and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. You can honk if you want to say amen to that. Be safe and strong in Jesus.